Volunteers don't get paid not because they're worthless, but because they're priceless. On this episode, we'll be finding out more about these priceless pillars of the activity. What drives them to give so much of themselves? What brings them back every year? And the voluntary history of this entire activity. This week we're paying tribute to the volunteers, the hidden heroes of drum corps. So, Mallory, this week we're talking about volunteers, and I wanted to start with a little story about how I met one Mallory Anderson um, a couple of years ago. Um, so, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, we run a marching band um, festival here in Ireland called the Celtic Band Festival, and um, back in 2019, the first year that we ran it, actually the only year oh yeah oh my gosh no oh no yes it was just one year strong so far it was it was it was three three years ago but um yeah it's um we we only we only ran it the once of course um but but we fully plan to to run it again we'll be back and better than ever we'll be back but when i was reaching out for uh volunteers the i think it was the second application i got for volunteers um was from you was that really the se- only the second? Yeah, wow. that's right. Yeah, you were straight in there. You were straight yes. in there. And I like being I, early. I, what I really needed was someone that knew what they were doing with social media. Not someone that knows, you know, that has a Facebook account. Actually, somebody that knows what they're doing with social mm. media. <laughs> and someone that I didn't have to try to explain <laughs> what marching band was. Let me explain to you drum corps in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna work (laughs) and then i see this application coming in with this social media manager that has just moved to ireland and march blue nights and i literally picked up the phone that minute to call you i wasn't calling any of the rest of the volunteers but i had to find out what was after happening i think i submitted even see this well okay so a your you did great job with your targeting because (laughs) i was targeted for i i'm assuming you run some sort of ad um, or I happen to be searching for it, but I saw this call to action for volunteers and I was reading through it and I was like, oh, well, I do social media marketing. I like drum corps. And I was just like, oh, well, and I, I was new to the country as well. I don't even think I'd been here a full year when I applied. No, I don't think I had. Anyway, I was like, oh, this seems like a great way to meet people who have similar interests as me. And so I filled out the application. I was like, oh, you know, I probably don't expect to hear from them like a couple weeks or something like that. I think it was maybe 15 minutes after I submitted <laughs> my application that I got like an email from you You're like hi I'm Keith please come work with me and I'm like oh wow oh okay <laughs> I think I set up a meeting to uh, to see you like within the week <laughs> yes I like I submitted the application maybe 15 20 minutes later I heard from you and by the end of that week we had met to talk about the the marching band festival that's the drum corps link to this story as well is yeah. that you know it was drum corps that brought us together yeah. it was this this mention of the blue nights on on your application and of course that festival is it was a partner with dci and we ran a sound sport event at that festival oh, that was so, so cool too but i i really um feel 
for a lot of the <laughs> core directors that we interviewed on on this episode mm. and you know finding the right volunteers at the right time um and just you know that moment that your application came across my email inbox <laughs> <laughs> just really stands out to me what were the reasons that you decided to volunteer that year well I, like i said new new country trying to find people who had similar interests that was that's modus operandi number one in my life still. Um, however, I will always volunteer for any activity that is supporting the marching arts, um, particularly in places where, you know, DCI is maybe not as prevalent where I can try and bring people into the fold. Um, but places where I can kind of scratch that itch a little bit as well and talk with other people who are just as big of a fan as I am um, and get to see other young talented performers really enjoying this activity that was so pivotal to me being who I am today and like helping to create an event that is just a really really great experience for them like who wouldn't want to volunteer for something like that well you know a couple of years later we're doing this drum corps podcast here we are (laughs) (laughs) it's been a journey um (laughs) tell me a little bit about when you were in drum corps then and, 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 you know, the volunteers and, um, because there's way, there's way more of them than we ever see, uh, you know, on any of the promotional videos, Mm. we don't see the volunteers necessarily. Um, and certainly not on, on the performances, we don't see them. So tell me what it's like to be on the road with, um, with, with the core and, and, and the importance of the volunteers. The volunteers are, and I cannot say this strongly enough, one of the most vital parts of a successful tour truly 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 they they are the I think I told this to you earlier the well-oiled machine that makes DCI as successful as it is they're kind of everywhere and nowhere all at once um because you'll be out at rehearsal you know the whole whole day and then all of this stuff just happens in the background to make sure that you are fed and watered and housed and transported all throughout the summer. And it's just this incredible selfless group of people that just create this incredible experience or help to create this incredible experience for all these performers each summer. And these people just keep coming back too. I can't count the amount of friends I have that their parents came out and they're like, oh, I'll volunteer on the food truck for like a home show or something like that. And these people get hooked. And like all of me and my friends have aged out at this point and their parents are still freaking there at the food truck every single (laughs) summer because they can't get enough of it. Like it's this, it's their own little family inside of the core and it's just this really cool group of people and they're so wonderful and kind and giving and they're, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the volunteers. I think when we go to a drum corps show, when we see the corps come out and do this amazing show, we don't realize all the people that are working behind the scenes who are volunteers that make it happen. Tim Hinton of the Marching Roundtable podcast. Now, when you see the costuming and stuff, these are done by the professional costume companies. You know, these wonderful uniform companies we have in our activity that they're, you know, these great designers and they're creating these really well-made garments and things. But there are seamstresses that spend the whole summer traveling, resizing, fitting, uh, you know, fixing the problems that happen through the use of performances day after day. There are people that are making the meals and there are nurses and there are, you know, there's all kinds of people working behind the scenes and we don't know that we don't realize that they're there, but they are what make drum corps possible. If these corps did not have these volunteers, many of whom just give up their entire summer 
and they get on a bus and they cook the whole summer for Trunkle. You know, and they're, most of them are not getting paid anything. They're just there because they love drum corps and they want to help out. And they don't mind peeling potatoes all morning to make sure the corps performs well at night. So they're really the unsung heroes. And this has been true from the, the entire activity from the very beginning. And it's still happening today. If you can go see a drum corps at a rehearsal site, you will see it buzzing with people that are running around, you know, sewing up uniform poles and making meals and, um, uh, doing a multitude of things, driving buses, etc. Most of these people are volunteers. They really make the activity possible. Last year, we touched on the voluntary history of drum corps. I caught up again this year with Pat Seidling, corps director with the Blue Devils and the former history teacher to find out more about these origins. Drum and bugle corps started as community-based groups, maybe a Boy Scout club, maybe part of a, a church group, or Elks Lodge or whatever throughout the East Coast, Midwest, and even out on the West Coast. But they were very similar to high school bands. First of all, they were all middle school and high school age students within the United States that's between 12 and 17, 18 years old. So like high school music programs, the volunteer base was driven by the parents. Parents. Um, I myself in 1973 joined our little local weekend drum corps. My three brothers and sister got into it and my mom and dad jumped in with both feet and for the next 15 years, drove everything, fixed everything, sewed everything. <laughs> my dad ended up managing the darn thing down the road. It was parent-based. In the 80s, as drum corps started touring more and more and more, you lost the parent base on the travels because they all had jobs. Most of these parents were in their 30s and 40s and deep in their careers and couldn't take that extended time off. And by the 90s, you just didn't get the parent volunteer base because they couldn't commit to two, three, four, five, six weeks on the road. So drum course, then it kind of, how you got down the road split into two factions. We did have to start paying for some help, particularly the driving team, uh, mainly to get drivers who can give you that time and have the qualifications they're probably either professional drivers or they need to leave their professional job and need some kind of compensation. But then the volunteer base that still kept, you know, helps us keep the budget in line and again brings a different kind of enthusiasm than a hired person. It started being kind of at both ends of the spectrum. Younger people, perhaps they just aged out and they still have their summers off. They don't maybe have their career job yet or they're beginning teachers, so they have the summers off anyway or the other end of the spectrum, and it's retired parents. Uh, currently, many, many of the Blue Devil volunteers are older, former parents. Their kids staged out 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but they, when they came out and gave that one weekend while their child was in, they had such a good time. They, as soon as they were uh, you know, able to come out because of retirement or whatever, they just give all summer, it's their social place. Huge. So it's really those bookends, the younger people or the older people. And that's really when you go down the road to Blue Devils or walk up to Carolina Crown or any number of drum corps, you'll see their volunteer base. It could be a 23 or 24 year old or it could be a 65, 70 year old. Uh, but they're there. They're happy. And their connection probably was I was in it or my kid was in it. They're gone now. I just had a blast. I, this is my home. This is my summer vacation. Then you're right. There is that third element, certainly in the last few years, uh, even international uh, uh, people that want to come out and, again, touch and be part of it from all over the world. And uh, it just fits in, whether it's two or three weeks. Uh, so th it's a really interesting 
group where they come from now. Oh, another element we do get a lot of, uh, I've seen with the last three drum course I've been with, band directors who uh, they have a small portion of their summer off. And for them, it's it's for them, it's a bit of an education opportunity to come out. You know, uh, maybe they're not able to get on the teaching staff uh, for whatever reason, the time or the fit or whatever, but they still want to come out and learn. And so they'll come out and say, hey, I'll drive a bus for two weeks. I have a bus license. I'll drive for two weeks. And they're just watching and soaking up things. So in a way for them, it's a little vacation, run away with the circus and a, a bit of educational opportunity for them to bring things back to their fall band camp. Well, I'm seeing more and more of that. And that's just really fun. Um, they bring in a whole set of skill sets as well. I mean, they work with young people and they know how, you know, they're moving their band across the, the state to the championship. So they, they get it. Uh, so the volunteer base is entirely different than it was 30 years ago. Uh, but it's still, at the end of the day, though, it's still the same culture. They love it. They're enthusiastic. Not only do they bring just labor and the skill set, they bring this different kind of enthusiasm that they just love it, man. And uh, I found that another capacity that a, a volunteer does, aside from, again, bringing the labor and skills, they connect with the members in a different way. And you have to understand, even the older kids, they get homesick. And uh, those volunteers, be it a a former parent, of course, now they're older, so they kind of have a grandparent uh, mentality to them or uh, uh, band directors or whatever. They connect differently and these give these kids kind of almost just, I, I, I oftentimes see them sitting on the curb having lunch with one of the older volunteers and really they're just homesick and this feels like we're talking to grandpa again or it feels like I'm talking to my favorite band director. Uh, so it's a really important element beyond just the labor they, they do. Yeah, early on in the world of drum corps, nobody made a living doing this. You know, like the famous drum corps directors were also, you know, band directors or music teachers or, you know, the famous Jim Wren that wrote all those wonderful Phantom Regiment horn books year after year after year, you know, worked for the Postal Service, you know, and he just had this talent and he shared it with the activity. And the same is true for the designers. You know, now we have people that make their living writing drill and designing shows and being program coordinators and things. That was never the way it was early on. It was all people just doing this sort of as a hobby and they loved it and they had these talents. So it's exciting that we've gotten to the point that some people can make their living this way and somebody can be a full-time core director. But back when I was marching in the eighties, absolutely not. You know, it was, I mean, maybe there were a few, but I don't think so. You know, I know that Gail Royer of the of Santa Clara Vanguard was a music teacher. So clearly there's a need for volunteers in drum corps and in the arts in general, even in the best of years. So how has 2020 and the COVID pandemic impacted this ever-growing need and the roles of volunteers? I caught up with Natalie Steele, CEO of The Crossman, and someone who has spent much of her career in the nonprofit sector to find out. I think our volunteers took on a new role this year. Um, for the most part, uh, it's just been about three folks inside of the office here who have ran the place. Uh, the rest of the team have been totally and completely volunteer, vol voluntary. Like our uh, interim core director, he volunteered to take on this role, Mr. Mike Hardick, and it's been an incredible pleasure to have him because he was such an asset uh, and just he grounded the membership. He was their biggest advocate through the through the pandemic. Um, and then we've got our board members who they're all volunteers. 
our board chair works close to 30, 40 hours sometimes, especially during the pandemic to make sure that we're running. Um, Cause you think, when you think volunteers and when you think drum corps, you think the food truck, you think the sewers. No, we had our entire alumni really stepped up to give us professional advice, to give us services, to sell things, to, um, to set up a new foundation for the new way we're running um, the organization because we have to. So it's it the 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 role of a volunteer took a different uh, turn in such a beautiful way that uh, more than ever I think we're all so grateful for our volunteers. But I am beyond thankful for what we have today. Um, it's it's the way it's the reason we have what we call Crossman counselors. It's a whole uh, group of advisors with different specialties in the food, legal, uh, finance, uh, HR. Every it's across the board. So although I have that nonprofit experience, I don't have the legal experience, the HR, the the payroll. Um, so it's been it's been a great time. And now you're switch shifting over to. The, the volunteers that we need down the road, our, our camp, we had a May camp um, over Memorial Day weekend, and that, that could not have happened without our volunteers. We had an incredible amount of folks. Our, our, the person who took over the food truck, she's been a volunteer for over 10 years with the Crossmen, and she was like, yep, I'm on my way. I'll, I'll be there soon. Uh, so she, she didn't even like hesitate. She wanted to be here for us. She wanted to see Crossman for the first time in over a year move in. And we've got parents um, who came who's never seen drum corps before, who are familiar with band, of course, but never, never seen what we do. And so right now, I think our biggest challenge is we're all, nearly two years without volunteers. So it, I, right now we're redeveloping and, um, kind of educating this new slew of parents that we have and new fans and different base of audience uh, that it's, it has become a challenge to find volunteers, not just because the knowledge part, but also the pandemic part. Is it safe? Is the Crossman doing what they can? Uh, because the more the what we need at Crossman is a lot more folks on the ground, more boots on the ground to make sure that the kiddos aren't handling the PB&J bar. The kiddos aren't pumping their own hand sanitizer. We're plating everything down the line, uh, making sure that we're safely fitting and sewing all the uniforms and that, that the kiddos are go from the airport to and from nice and safe as well. And that does require a, a few more prerequis prerequisites that we never used to have before uh, just to make sure that we're keeping it safe. So there are a couple of um, challenges that are in our way, but uh, it seems like we uh, slowly but surely are regrowing uh, our, our volunteer uh, base, which is pretty exciting. I think there's another element that I, I really love the whole activity. Blue Devils have put a huge focus on it. I know so many of our fellow cores have is making sure the members understand this isn't help. These are these are one of us. And making sure please and thank you goes a long ways. Uh, treating adult volunteers, whether you know their name 
because they come every summer for five weeks or you they're just there a weekend person, you're never familiar with them. Smiles, pleases and thank yous and offering to help. Uh, every time I see a member, you know, come up to one of our cook staff and say, hey, can I help move that pan in for you? Warms your heart. Because really, at the end of the day, I volunteer for youth groups. At the end of the day, the whole reason we do it, it's just really fun to be around young, uh, talented kids. And as long as that experience is healthy, uh, I'll keep volunteering forever. And, uh, and I see that in our drum corps. As long as it's a healthy, fun place and that connection to the member is healthy and fun, that's our payback, you know. Every single one of our um, board members today have either marched drum corps, have been band directors, or have been passionate about the marching arts for years, for countless, countless years. Our board chair never marched Crossman, but has been to every um, every finals, every championships for about 30 years. Uh, Mark Chambers was the core director back in my day when I was marching. And he's uh, 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 the reason why the Crossman successfully moved to Texas. Um, and then he has taken the role of uh, board chair, board vice chair, um, has been uh, it, just on his free time and whenever he can, he is our, one of, one of our uh, deepest advisors because he has had that experience from start to finish. Um, and then, of course, the rest of our team are all alumni. Um, and then we've got Jay Hogue. Um, his daughter marched with Crossman, uh, uh, and he is pretty integral to our sound system. You know, uh, he is the the brains behind what makes us sound good on the speaker systems. So um, it's, it goes beyond that. He is incredible with finances as well. So uh, we are still building that board. Um, have a couple spots that we would love to fill. Um, it's been kind of interesting through the pandemic, but no matter what, they have all been there when crisis happens. They were all there. Um, when we need something, they are there. Um, they've been a, a constant, um, even through their own challenges with work and their own life. I will always have a saying that uh, whichever core I'm with, and certainly at the Blue Devils, when a certain person is there, you just know it's going to be okay, whatever, you know, or when I, when I pull up into a parking lot with, with the Blue Devils and I look out the window and I see, uh, or I've been around, and you just see that one volunteer that you've seen them forever. It's like, yeah, all is well in the world because that guy who always drives the pit cart in the stadium is still riding that pit cart for the Blue Coats or whomever. Uh, and at Blue Devils, whenever I show up to camp and, and Carol or Sandy are on Devil's Food, you just know it's going to be a better day. You just know everything's all right in the world. The reason you love this activity and the drum corps you're with is because that person's here. And when they're not there, you just, just don't feel as right. You know, and, and I think I speak for everybody that runs or manages or teaches with the drum corps. Uh, when those certain volunteers are there, you just know it's like, it's gonna be all right. This is it, man, we're good. Finding Drum Corps is brought to you by the DCI Fan Experience Tour. After a historic canceled season, this year, Drum Corps is back. This tour is the best way to experience your time in Indianapolis with meet and greets, photos on the field, and exclusive behind the scenes access throughout the tour. The DCI Fan Experience is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures, 
and includes accommodation and show tickets for all three nights in Indianapolis for the finale of the 2021 Celebration Tour from August 12th through the 14th. You can find out more about the tour over on globalbandroom.com or in the show notes of this episode of Finding Drum Corps. Before the break, we learned how the activity was founded in volunteerism and that all of the great core directors from that time were volunteers themselves. And that continues today. Here's Bob Jacobs of Jersey Surf to tell us a little about his role. Well, my, my kids are tired of hearing this comment, but I was never supposed to be the, the director. I had a lot of contacts. Um, I helped get the group started in 1990, 1989, when we were forming. And the, the person who had, had really done a lot of the uh, you know, motivation to get the thing started for a, a bunch of different reasons, wasn't able to do it. So the longstanding joke is that they asked me to do it until we found someone to do it for real. And now 30 years later, we're still trying to find someone to do it for real. Okay, so aside from accidental 30-year roles, how do cores find their volunteers? And importantly, how do they keep them? I think the, the biggest element that any drum corps now, not just uh, you know the top six corps, but any corps, is letting people know that we are approachable. You can come and volunteer. Because as you said, to maybe an outsider or a casual fan, these things look so professional. Uh, they seem so massive, almost intimidating. And they, well, they probably... They don't need to help. And then you find out, it's like, actually, yeah. And and so I think our, right now, and I think most of my fellow drum corps directors and tour managers, uh, one of their goals is to letting people know, yeah, you know, we're open. We could use your help. And I don't know how many times I get people go, oh, wow, I, I didn't think you would need help. But yes, absolutely, we do. Uh, whenever someone volunteers to help, I don't ask when can they come. The first thing I say is yes. And then we figure out, well, when is it? Is this week, that week? Um, we, we don't, uh, yeah, we, we are blessed at Devils right now that we have a, a surplus and there are times we have to, we just can't fit everyone in. Uh, but what I found is that it's seasonal too. Uh, a lot of people have a hard time getting their vacations in late May and early June. And that's when we're kind of the thinnest, we're moving in. We actually have the biggest task need during our all days and our first week or two on tour. And that's the hardest time to get volunteers because if those are giving up vacation time, you know, in America, you get your vacation time in July and August, you know. Um, so uh, you're right. The recruiting isn't as uh, hardcore as the old days of begging for people to come. The recruiting is really letting people know that, yes, at any drum court, any help is, is appreciated. You know, bands have incredible band parent groups. The better the band, chances are the better the band parent group. So. To a degree, all, all you're doing is taking people that are used to being like the super parents and then giving them the next level of challenge because, you know, you don't have the, the, the board of education to fall back on. And, you know, if if a teacher forgets to schedule buses, the teacher can get a hold of the transportation coordinator and am amazingly buses will show up. But if if we forget to schedule buses, we're in a whole world of hurt. So. You know, there's there's not as much of a um, of a backup that the it's the scholastic environment creates, but but that's also kind of a cool thing because 
there's a lot of uh, ingenuity. Like, you know, we've always said we can't, we're not going to spend our way out of problems because that's how you go broke. We're going to, we're going to think our way out of problems. And when you have a great uh, uh, database of parents that are plumbers and master welders and carpenters and, you know, uh, electrical engineers and accountants, like all of a sudden, you know, all these things play into the passion of doing this. And so for the longest time, I mean, since the Jersey Surf began, many, many, many of our key volunteers and our board members um, joined because their kids were involved and have stayed long after their kids have left, which is, you know, sometimes it's a great thing. But the, the challenge with that is that Sometimes you look like such such a well well oiled machine that, like you said, it's so professional. Well, it's not. I mean, yes, it's of course it's professional, but it's also a little showbiz smoke and mirrors. Retention. Well, I think at the top, uh, the highest level is just make sure it's a culture that's welcoming and fun, and and hard work can be fun as long as it's welcoming and fun. And I've seen at various levels of drum corps. You know, uh, our friends Vanguard. Uh, they do a great job with their volunteers, keeping them forever. And they do a lot of little things that they, they have the, the special jacket color, the pins, the patches, and those things seem to matter to people and, and other places, different people need different things. And just being conscious of what that individual or that volunteer pool really uh, needs is the wrong word because they all tell you, I don't need anything. I just want to be here. Uh, but to give them a feel, uh, the other important thing is to make sure they understand. And, and it's a very important part of Blue Devils. You're a Blue Devil now. You're in. You're part. You're not just a, a volunteer helper. Once you're in, you're in. You know. And and I think all my fellow core directors and tour managers out there uh, have the same culture and mentality with their volunteers. Once you're a volunteer, I mean, you're, you know, you're a Madison Scout forever. You came out and cooked for two weeks. You know, it's an old joke. It's really hard to get in, but it's really hard to get out. A big part of it is making sure that. Um, as the organization, you have that consistent individual on the administrative side communicating and then clearly communicating and then going into detail so that <clears throat> their expectations as a volunteer are, are set in stone. So I think that's one thing that I have noticed as a volunteer um, working for races or, um, or just festivals or events that I've done in the past is uh, they need to know where to go. They need to know how to dress. They need to know what to expect and if they're going to be fed or if they get a cool t-shirt to go along with it. It's a, it's a line by line, what, what they're going to get out of it and uh, what we expect and what they should expect as well. So um, that really helps. Um, and then doing it in a timely manner too, asking for volunteers, or if you have a Google list, which we go through, we have a Google form that we just do. Um, it's the easiest way, simplest way um, to make sure that you're communicating with those volunteers as soon as they register to help reach out to them, make them feel special. Hey, I see you. Here we go. And that's really important to us. And we do that consistently here. I learned early on in my career, it was a great management lesson. I had uh, new parents who were complaining to me that the, the people that were in charge of things like cooking that they that they seemed very standoffish and they never wanted their help. And then I had the people that were the cooks and the like the, the long time people saying none of these new parents want to ever offer to do anything. And it was like the new folks were totally intimidated by those that were already here and the ones that were already here didn't even think to ask for help. 
So, you know, nobody wanted to kind of cross each other's like, you know, step on eggshells or make it seem like, you know, something somebody was was being putting their nose where it didn't belong. So we've done a much better job of making sure that not only are we creating a welcoming environment for the membership, but we're instantly trying to engage people in an area that they wish to be engaged in. And we tell parents all the time, listen, like your kid really doesn't want you around because now your kid's at that age where they love your support. They love that you're writing the check, but they don't want to see you every five minutes. So we can arrange it so that you can see as much or as little of your kid as you need to. Like we can give you some jobs that you'll never see your kid. You'll check in on a Friday night. They go do their thing. We're going to take you to the warehouse. We're going to do inventory of merchandise, or we're going to reset the shelves in the warehouse this weekend. And you won't be, you know, breathing down your child's neck every five minutes watching what they do. I did a a quick study for for the Blue Devils uh, a year or two in 2019. In 2010, the Blue Devils started staying at a hotel in Indianapolis. Before that, we stayed at a a school. And then we moved into the hotel. Uh, And so here we are 10 years later. And I counted the number of people we needed rooms for in 2010 versus 2019. Sure, the membership bumped up, I think, from one... 35 to 4, 50 to 54. So the membership went up by 15 or so students. But the real change was in 2010, one nurse, one media. 2019, four medical people, five media people, six prop crew. We didn't even have a word prop crew back in 2010. It was the mirrors. We just rolled them on and off the truck on your way to the field, grab a mirror. Uh, And uh, so six prop crew. And of course, we went from nine or 10 vehicles to 15 vehicles, uh, feeding that many more people. Now, all of a sudden, we instead of four or five on the food crew, we need six or seven and we need food crew support, someone to set up and tear down tables, someone to handle the water and the ice, all that. So that scope of people, first of all, the drum corps have just, you know, on any given day in 2010, we probably have an 180 people on the road. By 2019, on any given day, we'd have no less than 200 people. Well, it's a growth of 25, 25 to 30. That's a real number. Um, and so to fill most of those roles, it has been volunteers. The prop crew, the roadies, if you will, uh, volunteer. And the health crew, believe it or not, and these are people who are you know, obviously serious professionals, medical doctors, RNs, paramedics, and they have career jobs, but they've all found ways to get away and volunteer their time to fill these roles. And I think most of the people that work with all these drug course health and wellness and medical teams, uh, many, many, many of them are volunteering their time. And that's kind of almost counterintuitive because uh, that kind of professional role, you think they, A, would not have time to give and B, compensation would be, be important, but just the opposite. They found ways to give their time. But I don't think they do it for the organization. I think they do it for the students. And to be a volunteer it comes with so much reward, uh, both in the now and in the future. And so, um, to, to give your time, to give your, um, money to the crossman is giving to the membership. And I think that's what drives every parent, fan and alumni. It's actually quite miraculous that drum corps are able to do what they do because they're not just rolling in the money. I mean, they're basically just surviving each year to bring this opportunity to the students. So if they, during the whole year, as they're planning for the tour and then during the tour, if they didn't have lots of volunteers who just love the activity, love their core, and want to help out, it wouldn't be possible. And I can tell you that 
many of these volunteers, it's a lifetime of love for the activity. I heard many great stories of volunteers while putting this episode together. And while it's impossible to include them all here, I thought I'd include this one. And while Pat Seidling tells us about her, I'm pretty sure we can all think of at least one person that has gone above and beyond, and without them, all of this simply wouldn't be possible. Uh, her name was DJ. She passed away just a few years ago. She started her career with the Knights, where Dan Potter was a drum major of. She ended up uh, coming over to the Madison Scouts when I was tour manager there, and then she finished her career, I think, with the Blue Stars. Um, she was a seamstress at a local theater, community theater, in the Quad Cities, Illinois, where the Knights were based. And so she sewed theater costumes and uh, over in Peoria, Illinois, with their professional touring theater. I mean, she's done all the costumes, and she just sewed the heck out of stuff. And she somehow dialed herself into this drum corps. And as she got older, she had a lot of time off. Got, and she sewed, she was awesome. And a seamstress on the road. And she would volunteer her time, never took a penny. Uh, when I got involved with her in the Madison Scout, she was already elderly. So she had this classic grandma look. Uh, she had that classic grandmother personality of a little bit saucy, a little bit spicy, but loving and endearing as anything. There was nothing you she couldn't sew or put back together last minute on the sideline, putting that pants back, whatever. Beloved, hilarious. And the toughest young old lady I've ever seen, you'd find her asleep on top of a tuba case. Sleep, you know, and at her, at her age. Um, uh, she didn't need much, and she just kept working. So DJ, I think uh, anybody that's been in those three or four cores, if I mention DJ, the seamstress, they're like, yes. One of those ladies uh, just showed up and for decades just made a, an impact. Thank you to all of this episode's guests. Natalie Steele, Tim Hinton, Bob Jacobs, Pat Seidling, and of course my volunteer turned co-producer, Mallory Anderson. Until next time, march on. by the Global Bandroom. You can find out more about all of our podcasts over at globalbandroom.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.